Welcome, and thank you for listening to the 9-7 Podcast, where we talk about our journey from 9-7 to now. We are your hosts, Richard and Mary Robinson. Though we aren't relationship experts, we've learned a lot along the way since 9-7. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, hey. How's it going, boo? It's going good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. How about you? Nah, no complaints. Fantastic. So? Well, today I was hoping that, you know, a quick recap. You know, we just had our daughter, Mm -hmm. our first child. Yep. And like most new parents, you start immediately thinking about all the things you need to provide for this person. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to talk about today was education. Okay. Because we're both educated people and we both value education very highly. And education has helped open doors for us. So um, I know for me, when our daughter was born, that was one of the things that popped into my mind. 100%. And then with you being a classically trained educator... I'm making the assumption that that was also something that jumped into your mind very quickly. Absolutely. So after food, clothing, and shelter, and uh, Jesus, and family traditions, and things like that, that you almost take for granted that you're going to be giving your children as a parent, Mm -hmm. I think education is the first external thing that runs across a parent's mind. Um, and the opportunities that you hope it brings forth for them. So let's just, that's, that's what I want to talk about today. Okay. So let's, let's start off with, um, something that you said to me that was really interesting. One day when we were having a conversation about education was around this concept that I had which was that public education is free and equal for everyone. Okay. You mind expanding on that for for the listeners? What do you mean? Well, just how I was saying that, you know, education is supposed to be equal and balanced in every district and things like that. And you was explaining to me about oh. how taxes work in a district and yeah, how funding so works. It's, you know... <laughs> on paper supposed to be free and equal but it's very obvious and no one would argue I would hope um that it is not I mean because your tax dollars in whatever area that you're in contribute to the ability of your particular district to receive funding so if you don't have affluent people living in certain areas then those areas aren't going to receive as many as um they're not going to receive as much money as somewhere that has more affluent people even if those people's children don't even go to a public school just the fact that they live in a in a zone area or in a district for a particular school yes so and i've taught at different schools that have made that very that made that very obvious to me. So how does that how does that work exactly? So if you live in a affluent area, they get more government money or it's just that they pay a higher rate of taxes? 
I don't know like the nuts and bolts of it. Okay. I just know that the money is distributed differently. Depending on the tax bracket of the neighborhood. Right. Okay. Um, But like I said, I don't know the nuts and bolts. We could could come back to this conversation again. I'm sure we could talk about this many, many times. And I could have a little more um, research done and um, background knowledge of how it all specifically works. But for the purposes of today, I just don't know it exactly enough to speak intelligently about it. Okay. No, no, that's good. I I think it's one of those things where it's, you know, at least sparked that thought in people's minds and how education maps out in the in the regular world. Yeah. I and, mean, even in real estate, if you think about it, like, you know, if you're looking to buy a home, they don't, they list the schools in their ratings for a reason. Yeah. You true. know? And a lot of people will move to a district specifically because of the school mm-hmm. or try to stay away from others for the same reason. Yep. <clears throat> yep. That's that's a really that's a really interesting thing to me. And a and a great way to see how things map out uh, across the across the educational spectrum. Right. And then um for us, do you wanna talk about how you feel about education? So for me, um, ever since I was probably middle school, I wanted to be a teacher. So getting into education wasn't even a question for me. I remember just really enjoying learning. I had some teachers that were very inspirational Growing up, Miss um, McMillan, she's Miss Gregory now, when I was in sixth grade. and mm-hmm. Shout out to David McElroy. You know, and then I had Miss um, uh, Mercer, Miss Atkinson. I mean, just some really great teachers along the way that kind of like, man, I want to be able to inspire mm-hmm. young people the way that I've been inspired Mm-hmm. By Miss Askew, mm-hmm. by these, by these teachers that I've um, been blessed enough to learn from. So, you know, I went straight through high school, college, got the degree. You know, got a master's degree teaching the children of the world, and then, you know, you get into the classroom, and I was doing great. You know, but there were some areas that were frustrating to me, like, um, you know, I was able to use my creativity some, but I always kind of felt like it was a little bit stifled because of standards and things like that. And I do think standards are necessary, but sometimes the implementation was a little bit off. And then, you know, when you really, and I'm a researcher, I really, like, I am one of those really nerdy people as you know, Mm -hmm. that really enjoys research. And Mm -hmm. so I did a lot of research on um, appropriateness. I don't don't think that's a word, but it's a little late. You got to give me the benefit of the doubt here. Mm -hmm. Um, Of when things were taught, how it's taught, um, how how children learn best um, in the early years and, and, and forward. And there were a lot of holes that I saw and I kind of felt like, you know, stifled a bit. What What do you mean? So, so let me ask you 
two quick questions. One about, uh, I think you called it when we talked one time before, culturally uh, appropriate. Like cultural it's, learning. Yeah. Could you explain that a yeah, little that's bit? A little, that's a little bit of a passion project for myself. Like just wanting, you, well, I have to ask this. Do you mean learning about different cultures or just like the cultural appropriateness of the material that we were being that we were teaching the second one okay that's not what i was going to talk about at first but this yes so like when in one of my master's degree level classes we talked a lot about um having testing that is appropriate for all children and most tests that are being used in standardized no most items on standardized tests are not at at that point in time and I'm sure that not much has changed um weren't as culturally appropriate across the board meaning your life experiences can dictate whether or not you're successful at any given question on a test okay that's so for example like one test question if it talks about, if it's talking about fossils and it's in science, right? Mm-hmm. And it says, which of these fossils might you find at a beach? But you're in an area that you've never been to the beach before. Right. So then your life experience won't help you to dictate the correct answer to that test. If there's one that kind of looks like a starfish. Right. But the only star you've ever seen is quote unquote in the sky. Mm-hmm. So you might be looking at this test item and you're like, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like exposure levels and things like that can can hurt can, you academically. Can hurt you academically. Okay. Um, same thing with you know vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know if you're not if you're around if you're in a low socioeconomic situation and your adults are working a lot then you're not around adult level vocabulary or if your adults don't have beyond certain levels of education mm-hmm. you're not getting that so you know your your ability to understand and and use context clues is is not going to be as high as someone whose parents talk to them a lot or they read a lot you know mm-hmm. there's just some areas like that where okay. no that's good that's good that's good information i think that's Really interesting and, and appropriate for the conversation. Mm-hmm. But now, like, for us specifically, you know, I'm seeing those things on the outside, but I'm still, you know, rocking and rolling. I'm highly successful at edu- educating the babies, and quite a few of them I still keep in touch with even today. They're doing wonderful things in the world. But it's like tying it back into um, our timeline when we had our daughter and at that point I had been teaching for five years and like I said, rocking and rolling, had my eyes on maybe getting my certification to be admin, um, just all of that. And so I have her and this is, I know it was before she was more than a week old and it was like probably the clearest thing I've ever heard the Lord say to me, and it was, you, you will homeschool this child. 
And I was like, what? But I got a whole, like, bachelor's, master's. I'm rocking and rolling. I've gotten teacher of the year already. I'm like, hold on. What Mm -hmm. you mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it was, like, clear as day. And I told you about it. And you were just like, okay. Yep. You know, and and we didn't know how it was going to happen because at that point in time, we needed both of our salaries. Mm Mm-hmm. And things weren't looking like we were going to be able to not need both of our salaries at any time in that near future. But, I mean, she was literally an infant, like fresh out the factory infant. So we had five years. (laughs) And in the back of my mind, I'm still like, but I'm rocking and rolling, you know. But I'm, you know, looking at my baby like I know what I have to do. And so, you know, we didn't have, we had put her in daycare, but that's another story. We'll, we'll maybe tap into that part next next week. But uh, we put her in daycare. That didn't work so well. And you and I kind of flip-flopped with care. And then my mom came down and helped us, and she stayed with us and, and helped us with our little little girl. And then year five came. Well, and she, well, before you get to that, let me let me let me ask a quick question. Um, one, you were talking about being creative in the classroom. Could you expand on that a little bit? You said you felt stifled about being creative in the classroom. And I just want to I want to understand how that plays into it because I see what you do with them now, mm-hmm. and I understand the levels of creativity that you're able to express now. Mm-hmm. And even when you pull me into the mix to help with something. Mm-hmm. But I wanna I wanna understand and I wanna be clear um in the conversation of what does how does that play into <clears throat> some of the some of how you teach. Like what I understand you were talking about the test, but what do you mean outside of standards? Cause you said yeah, you believe in standards, but you said you felt stifled creatively. What what does that mean for a teacher? I don't think many people understand that. Well, oh, I feel like I have to sneeze. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not going to come out now. Well, in the way of, I'm a dig deep kind of kind of teacher. Like, um, I like to really make sure that my kids understood the concept right Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times I felt as if there was just too many standards to have to get to um to the point where I couldn't ensure that my kids really understood the concept prior and the way that I do the way that I like to relay that information in a way that I know they're going to understand it is to do really creative types of instruction. Like we might do role playing, we might do um, artwork, stuff with their hands. Um, We might have to take a quote unquote field trip outside or around the school and do different things to help really get them to make a a connection with the era of history or even the concept of math or if it's a reading concept just to to get them to really fully understand what it is that we're talking about Mm -hmm. so 
So you're talking about engaging them sometimes in hypotheticals that are just a little bit beyond. Um, like the, the scope the, of the actual objective for that what, particular standard. Okay, where you would have to extrapolate like, well, if this happened, how do you think he felt about X? Right. But you don't really know the answer, but it's getting them to think. Right. On a more on a more abstract level to say, well, if he acted this way, then if this new situation come up, more than likely he would act that way. Right. Type type situations. Right. Okay. That's 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 very interesting. That's very interesting. And then, um, okay. So then, like you were saying, you know, we flip flop roles for a while. And just to put it in context, if you haven't listened to some of the previous episodes, pursuing careers. Um, really fills in a lot of gaps here yeah. in what was going on during this time for us, you know, from a from a job perspective, mm-hmm. and and even in how the different roles were playing out for us during during this same time period, and then um, your mom came and stayed with us, mm-hmm. and that was a huge help. Mm-hmm. You know, big ups to the, I guess that would be the blended family or extended family. Extended household, family, household. Is that what it's called? I don't know. It's something like that. Multi generational. <laughs> Multi generational. Yeah, big ups to that because that 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 came. Us out a yeah, lot. that was a a big win for the for the home team. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the next step was year five. Yeah, year five. But even before that, I was just thinking like, I just remember you know with passing of the test being so strongly enforced and this is the standards of learning test yes, in, virginia. in virginia and other states you have common core testing and mm-hmm. um things of that nature but um i just remember you know there's such an emphasis on making sure you get a certain percentage to pass mm-hmm. and i always like you know you have to kind of aim for the middle when you teach which always bothered me because I'm like, well, you aim for the middle and and the bottom, really. The top kids, I felt like always, I always had a heart for them because I'm like, these kids are, you know, they, they're not, quote unquote, worried about them because they're going to pass the test. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like, man, we need to do more for those those babies that are, excelling and they need enrichment and you know higher level types of instruction because they they're showing understanding and mastery so those are the kids you could go fairly deep into a right. topic with if right. you had the time <clears throat> and, and then, you were a straight a student too so that's I mean, like not straight a's but <laughs> straight a's y'all i wasn't straight a's i'm okay, not go gonna ahead. lie to the people okay but i mean i didn't get any c's but anyway those kids always like kind of tugged my heartstrings a bit, and then also the kids who were really really behind would tug my heartstrings at the same time, because it's like, you know, they're really literally doing a lot of them were doing the absolute best they could do, but still might not pass it at the level that was required. So like the the opposite ends of the spectrum to me were very um they i just felt like they were not 
I don't know, they were being serviced. I just always felt like these kids, the, the lower kids were giving it all they've got and weren't going to see the success a lot of times. And then the high kids were just, I'm going to pass the test, but I wanted to see them go even further and beyond. So it always, like, it really irritated me as a teacher that I couldn't teach all of them the way that they needed to be taught. Mm-hmm. You know, having mm-hmm. a class of 20 to 26 over the years that I taught, I always wanted to, like, really delve into each one of them, knowing that I couldn't because I'm only one person. But if I could... I would have liked to have taught each one the way that they each needed to be taught. Mm. Now with three of my own, I realize that's a very hard thing to do, even with just three. But (laughs) I do get to do that, which is something that I enjoy about the choice that we've made. Okay. And so now we're at five years. And when did we have the discussion about homeschooling? Well, we, we had... We had that discussion when when she was born. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it then. You were like, okay. The five-year mark was when, I don't know, I can't remember if we talked about this during the careers episode, but when I was like, okay, God, if I'm really supposed to homeschool, <laughs> um, I was up for um, being a teacher specialist in the district that I was in. Um, I had always enjoyed teaching teachers. Um, after about year number four, I started doing like trainings, of, like teacher trainings with the English department and the history department of the district I was in, where I would go and like I really started to use a couple of methods that were very successful. And so um, I would do like the districts I was in would have like teacher um teacher development days so i would be one of the the, um presenters at those and even in the school that i was in uh, i was allowed to essentially have a substitute in my classroom for the day to teach all the teachers in my building a particular strategy and then for um history department um, of the district i was able to do some presentations again on teacher development day and then I went and did like a uh, a conference in Florida and then I was able to teach that to teachers as well and so because of me you know being out there helping with like curriculum and which I really really love curriculum Mm -hmm. and helping with pacing for the different subject matters um, mainly just English and history um, I was even asked to apply for this teacher specialist job with the history department mm-hmm. of this district. And so... Could you explain what strategies are? What do you mean? Like you you were saying that you were teaching teachers strategies. Oh, like just a, a method that I was using in my classroom that was effective. So like, like it was getting results. Right positive results okay so and I could prove it like I had data to prove that it was you know mm-hmm. working with the students and so I applied for the position 
interviewed for the position, got the position in July of whatever year that was. And I think it was 2012. And so it was over the summer. I was actively like going to meetings and things like that because I was great level chairperson. So I was going to these meetings and um, transitioning trans- into the role. Well, no, this is like for my for my position as a teacher. I was great level chair. We we always had meetings during the summer. Okay. So going to those meetings, my principal calls me. She was like, "I'm almost sure you you've got that job, right?" Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm all nervous. And I get the actual call from downtown. And they're like, congratulations. Um, as soon as your position is filled, <laughs> you can start the new position, which mm-hmm. would be based in downtown. I would have been able to be downtown mm-hmm. and have my own little office mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. and all that jazz. And then be Was it a corner office with a V? Child, I don't know. Never got to see it. So... <laughs> Um, you know, and then, you know, that was like home base, so to speak, but most days I would have been out into the district, you know, in the different school buildings. Cause this, the district had, I don't know, probably 40 different schools. Mm-hmm. If you count all the elementary, middle and high. Mm-hmm. And so I would have been out most days anyway. And then back there, you know, after school was out until five o'clock or whatever, mm-hmm. But you would have been out teaching strategies. Teaching teachers or observing teachers and giving feedback or whatever. And giving them strategies. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, and helping them disseminate their data and look at it because I really enjoy doing that too. So I um, was told in July, like, okay, as soon as we fill your position, then you can assume your new role. And so I'm like, okay, perfect. So I, you know, still go in. My position hadn't been filled, so I still go in. I set up my classroom, but I'm kind of like not doing a whole lot because I'm like, it's July. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I'm, they may fill it before the school year starts, so I don't want to do too much because the new teacher, you know, want to put her swag in the room. Mm-hmm. And so I don't do but so much, but then pre um teacher pre-service week begins which is the week before the kids come back to school nobody had filled the spot yet mm-hmm. school starts no one fills the spot october november christmas i'm calling downtown and i'm like hey you got anybody coming i think a few people were interviewed but they're like no they weren't a good fit and i'm like okay and then i'm like talking to my principal I'm like they need to understand they got to get somebody because you're not going to get another me. <laughs> right. Right. Like, you got to help somebody out here. And then January, you know, back from holiday, Christmas break, February comes around. March, we have one SOL, which is the standards of learning test. Writing is always in March. That test comes and goes. April, May, the whole gambit of testing. So by like April, I'm like, okay, God, let me rewind a little bit. By the time we got to the first week of school, I'm like, okay, God, if this job is really for me, (laughs) then you'll fill my spot, right? Mm -hmm. So like whenever like teacher development weeks come and everything, I'm basically in my role. 
Like, mm-hmm. I'm doing the trainings for the district under my new role. Because at this point, the person that would be above me in my new role doesn't have a person like me either. Right. So she is lacking a person mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going through, I'm going through. Nobody's filling my spot. Nobody's filling my spot. I don't know how many people the interview. I only remember one or two. But then it doesn't get filled. Mm-hmm. And it's either April or May. They come around with the little form talking about like your intent for the next year and at this point our baby is now four getting ready to turn five Mm -hmm. which would be school age Mm -hmm. and i checked no on the box that i will not be returning Mm. and everybody's looking at me like what you gonna i'm like what do you mean i'm gonna forgive Um, i'm going to give up a job i'm not giving up a job because no one ever filled it. They're like, but next year, I'm like, yeah, but I got hired in July. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like, I'm done. I even got a call from downtown. They're like, we got your notice of intent. What happened? Like, it's been almost an entire year. Mm-hmm. I'm still in the same position. There's nothing to say that that, it, that this won't be the same next year. Yep. And because I had already, you know, talked to God and was like, Okay, if you don't get it filled, then I'm I need to just stop, and I really am supposed to homeschool. Mm-hmm. And so, I I checked no on the form. I took a picture of it <laughs> as like my evidence. I'm like, okay, God, sowing a seed here. I'm following what you've asked me to do. So this salary is a seed, and because again, we still needed both of those salaries <laughs> at that time. Oh, I know. <laughs> So oh, I know. I remember very, very clearly. I remember you getting hired. I remember you going down to Florida and me and Amari um, redid uh, our master bedroom closet mm-hmm. while you were in Florida, which was which was great. We had some real um, fun daddy daughter time mm-hmm. while you were on that trip. And uh, I remember when it got to that point and you said, well, they still haven't filled the role, Neil. And, um, you know, the school year is steadily marching forward and we would have that conversation, um, every couple of weeks, it seemed like, but it was probably every few months actually. Mm-hmm. Um, or probably just like, yeah, like yeah. every other month or yeah, so. Yeah, every few months. And, you know, cause I would ask on a regular basis, have they filled the role yet? And no, like, they have haven't. they interviewed? Not that uh, I know of. Yeah. And then, you know, being a husband of a school teacher. I know that when SOL time comes around, they're not going to fill a role Mm-mm. because you've already taught them that entire time. They're not going to risk, you know, swapping you out at that point, which, you know, from a corporate standpoint, makes perfect sense. Yeah. And that, I mean, the whole reason why they were struggling was because they didn't want the the numbers because I was I always taught in a testing grade because mm-hmm. not all grade levels are tested mm-hmm. and they didn't want the numbers to plummet if someone came in and wasn't on par with your right skill set. and which, so which was which was a, a fail fail scenario right because that's like you want to swap somebody out of x number of years with somebody else with x number of years but you still don't know you know, the intangibles, mm-hmm. you know, it's still two people with the same number of years of experience don't necessarily mean they're going to do the job to the same, the same degree. Right. And so 
you know, that was the, the main issue was they didn't want someone just completely newbie mm-hmm. in the in the spot. Um and they were doing I guess I guess the best that they could do to try to fill it, but they they couldn't afford the the potential of someone not being successful in the spot that yeah. I was in. So so again if you've listened to some of the earlier episodes, Chasing Careers Part One and Part Two, I believe we have. Um, pursuing careers. Yeah, pursuing careers part one and part two. Uh they they really do very clearly um talk about where we were career wise during this moment in our life. And and for me, this was where I'm really just starting to really embark on my journey from a career perspective because our daughter was born in 2008 and I had finished my undergrad mm-hmm. mm, somewhere around in the same time. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. And and had just secured kind of my first tech position, mm-hmm. if it were. And so, you know, losing a whole salary when I'm essentially entry level at that point right. is a is a big deal in a in a a big blow. But um I think the the thing that was really interesting was uh, two things actually. For me, I never lacked the faith that the money would come. Yeah, that wasn't. I was never worried about that. But I do. I do think it's good for us to talk about the kind of social contract that you and I talked about when you first embarked on homeschooling. Because at this point, you know, you've done your letter of intent to not come back. Mm-hmm. And then you and I sat down and had a real conversation about it because we both went to public school. Do you remember the details of that conversation at all? I, I don't. But if you start, then I probably will. will okay. if, if you jog my memory. Yeah. So so we basically sat down at a table and we were talking about um, homeschooling and what that would entail. So for me, completely green, completely new to the subject. Mm-hmm. You're telling me, what you need to do and you being a very research oriented person, you were going through that. And then I basically asked you about checks and balances. Yeah. I.e. if this is happening, then what are my assurances of this? And you were explaining to me that even though we homeschool, um, our daughter would still have to participate in testing state statewide testing, in which case we would have the results back. And well, not statewide, but in in the state of Virginia, they require you to administer. Well, let me backtrack. In the state of Virginia, every state has different homeschool requirements. In the state of Virginia, there's like three different options you can choose. I chose to do a standardized test. So you have to um, find like a norm standardized test that they can take. One of them is like um, the Iowa test of basic skills and you have the CAT test, California achievement test. Um, There's a couple more. Um, So I chose to go that route and you have to do that test um, at the end of the school year and then submit it to your district superintendent's office um by sometime in the summertime Mm -hmm. and um you have to do that every year like in the fall you have to to tell them that okay i'm gonna homeschool this is what i'm teaching um these are the subjects i'm teaching 
and this is how I'm eligible. I'm always going to be eligible because I have a master's degree. Mm -hmm. Prior to this year, I also had my teaching license. Mm -hmm. Um, This year is the year that it expired, but prior to this year, I just would submit my teaching license and it wasn't an issue. Now I just submit my master's degree, still not an issue, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to submit those things. But yes, for your checks and balance, I made sure that, you know, I took a test that we can get the results from and we would discuss them and talk about where she and now all three stand as far as against other kids who have to also take that test. Yep. And and we also talked about if... If circumstances changed, if the worst happened, or if at some point it was their desire to possibly go to public school, would we entertain it and allow it? And, you know, I wanted to get that out in the open mm-hmm. very early. And we talked about that. And it was it was basically, yes, if, you know, we hit a really, really hard patch and, you know, economics played a larger issue, would we do X and Y as a fallback or fail safe to, you know, make sure we weren't homeless. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that was, that was part of the discussion. And then, and then basically if at any time, if homeschooling kind of became unbearable or hyper stressful, just cause again, for me, I didn't know anything about what it entailed and I'm not a classically trained teacher. So classroom management and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff is is something that I'm not very keen on but then at the same time uh you know we were new parents our daughters for thank you everyone for listening yeah and don't forget to share like and comment on apple podcasts and we'll continue up this and finish up this conversation next week have a good one